independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be here. Chad is on a much-deserved vacation. One of the hardest-working, most talented people in radio that I know. Uh, Chad Benson will be back after the holidays. So I think it's very interesting, uh, just to get right into it, that Elon Musk is offering to step down from Twitter by putting up a poll on Twitter. It's got 17 million votes right now or answers to his question, which is very simple. Should I step down as head of Twitter? Yes or no? 57.5% of people are saying yes. 42.5% saying no. Uh, I do think it's interesting. This thing will end in uh, roughly a few more hours, um, but it'll be interesting uh, to think about how many people do vote in this in general and whether or not Elon actually follows it. He also tweeted out a little bit after putting that poll up and starting to see some of the results that those who want power are the ones who deserve it least. Uh, So that is interesting. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. So yet again, we will see. Will Elon um, still own Twitter? Of course. Will he be running Twitter? Who knows? And honestly, I'm not sure that that's a bad thing. Uh, And I don't mean that because I dislike the way Elon is running Twitter. I mean, Tesla stock has been going down. There's been challenges with some of the companies that Elon is also in charge of. I think a lot of those investors of a lot of those companies would be thrilled to see Elon refocus back to the companies that have made him so much money over the course of his life and away from the social media platform. And if he still owns it, this is the bad news for anyone voting on this, that things that would fundamentally change if he steps down, he would be able to appoint the right person to run it that believes in his logic, ideology, um, plan for the platform itself. So it might be the same. It just might not be with Elon Musk as the big focal talking point, especially by the left, on an almost daily basis. All right, uh, something I have to get to. I did a news story first, so I feel good about that. I have to talk about the World Cup and the final uh, game in the World Cup, the final match of the World Cup. Argentina won in a shootout. It was one of the best soccer games or football games, I'm trying to be extra nice about it, that I've ever seen in my entire life. And that doesn't say a lot because I actually haven't seen a whole lot of uh, games, uh, but it, it's just incredible um, to, to think about the way in which everything happened. If you didn't watch any of it, and it was at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, that uh, the teams went back and forth. Argentina seemed to be dominating and likely to win. Uh, they had a two-goal lead late in the uh, regulation time. Again, all soccer things that you may or may not care to know, and I usually I usually am not as nice about uh, about um, soccer itself. Uh, but what I think is really interesting, uh, again, is that um, after that, there's two goals scored. I'm sorry, I got a message from someone saying that the Twitter poll is down for Elon. We'll look into that. We'll see if it is. Uh, but anyway, after the two goals scored by Argentina, uh, you see a, a comeback happen. Uh, you actually see uh, the game wind up tied with France, and then it goes into a shootout. Uh, The reason that all this matters, I guess, to a lot of people is because of Andres Cantor. Uh, You've heard him here on this show. Chad loves to play goals, uh, goal calls by Andres, uh, mostly because it just goes on and on and on, and it's pretty awesome. Uh, But he went viral, and even a video shot of him as he was making the call that that, uh, announced that Argentina won because he just loses it. He just breaks down. He he weeps. Um, He does what I love most. In the world of sports broadcasting, he's from Argentina, born in Buenos Aires. Uh, He becomes a homer. He becomes a Fairweather fan. I mean, he was one, I guess, uh, throughout the match, if you knew what he was saying. It was pretty pro-Argentina. But this moment is special and, as I said, viral all over the Internet right now. 
¡Va Montiel! ¡Montiel va! ¡Gol! The trademark, got to do the trademark. Argentina campeón del mundo. Argentina campeón del mundo. Argentina campeón del mundo. That's a man full crying. Now that's what that's what's happening right there. Argentina campeón del mundo, by the way, means champions of the world. Uh, he eventually goes on to say that they came from the sky. Uh, almost as if he's calling the team angels and they won the championship. It's it's awesome uh, to watch him break down, watch anybody break down. It actually reminds me of, I, I was working in um, a little bit of sports radio, uh, working in both talk and sports at the same time, and I wound up producing a show uh, with Cubs fans the year that the Cubs won the World Series, uh, which obviously was a big deal. Anyone who's a Cubs fan out there or anyone who follows baseball at all uh, knows it had been a long time. Over 100 years since the Cubs had won one. And what I love about this moment in Andres Cantor is it immediately reminds me of watching three grown men, not me, I'm a Yankee fan, uh, weep uncontrollably at the moment that the Cubs actually officially won the World Series and then try to compose themselves to broadcast about it. Uh, I loved every minute of that and all the, like, tissues and wiping of faces because it's identical to this. Yeah, they came from heaven. Uh, they came down from the, the sky uh, like angels and they won. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and it was a really fun time, by the way. Anyone who actually watched that World Cup game, I put something out on Twitter uh, that if all soccer games were like that, there'd be a lot more Americans that are fans. Because usually uh, games don't go quite like that. There's not as much scoring. Uh, so it was quite fun to see that. And then maybe beyond that, too, if we actually had an American that was anywhere near as good as Lionel Messi or any of the other players in that game, uh, then maybe we would care more again. But it was fun. Uh, moving on, other stuff out there in the world, things that I thought were interesting. Uh, the end of Title 42 will be happening on Wednesday. Uh, you had a lot of reports, a lot of conversations about it all over the weekend. Martha Raddatz on ABC News uh, actually opened some of her coverage by saying this. They are arriving in record-breaking numbers. Two million this year. Masses of migrants, families, children clinging to their mothers, forging rivers with little but the clothes on their backs. Roughly 2,500 migrants have crossed into El Paso every day this week, pushing the state to the brink. And that's before Title 42 is set to expire, when the Department of Homeland Security predicts the numbers along the southern border will swell to 18,000 a day. I just want to repeat something that you heard right there. Right now, the amount of people crossing the border on a daily basis is 2,500. Uh, we had a record amount of people cross the border over the course of the last calendar year. Uh, well over 2 million people came across the border. The amount of spike we will see right now, 2,500 to 18,000 a day uh, if and when Title 42 goes away on Wednesday. Some, even Joe Manchin, have called for the president to extend it because there is no better system in place. Uh, a lot of people are saying, a lot of experts, a lot of in the middle, not necessarily political people, are saying that this will obviously even that stat by ABC is coming from the administration itself, uh, saying how crazy these numbers will get. But darn it, some of the Democrats, some of the politicians refuse to think that this is actually a thing. Uh, Senator Brown out of Ohio popped up on Meet the Press 
he said that Americans don't care about this. They don't talk about it. The only people that ever discuss this at all are people in far right political places and not everyday Americans. I don't I don't hear a lot about immigration from voters except people on the far right that that always want to gain political um, advantage by talking about it. Here's the reaction to that comment, by the way, is first and foremost that, yes, political advantage is gained when Republicans talk about how bad of a policy no solution at all is to the open border problem we have right now. But what's more interesting to me than just simply saying that out loud is that none of it's like manufactured, none of it's fake. None of the things that someone is saying when they're gaining political points is made up. It's not one of those things that happens in politics so often on both sides where you exaggerate something in order to get it to a point where Americans care about it. This is the worst we've ever seen this in the history of our country, and it's about to get even worse. That's just a truth. So it seems odd that so many in the world of politics and politicians just want to deny it. They just want to pretend as though it's a thing that doesn't matter, that isn't important, that people aren't even talking about at all. Because if we were to govern that way on every issue, if we were just to decide that what the American people, and I don't even agree with it, by the way, I think that's a load of crap and I think they're wrong. Uh, But if we were just to govern based on what the American people were talking about, there would be so many other things that would be missed that would be necessary things for us to respond to. Because, well, as the government, you're probably supposed to care about more things than what's trending on social media. And I'm not trying to belittle the intelligence of the American people. I think politicians and media do that all the time. Uh, But I do think there's a a lot of things that when it's your job, your purview, your uh, requirement as a public um, official to handle, that it means it's something that doesn't need to rise to the level of being talked about on every TV station every single weekend. Uh, which is basically what's happening now with the border in order for you to do anything. It's just sort of crazy, in my opinion, that that's the defense at all. All right. uh, We got to take a break. A lot more coming up. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson show. Serving up talk radio, medium rare and dripping with irony. It's Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, Chad is back after the holidays. Uh, Inflation is causing 41% of Americans to feel guilty about asking for gifts gifts this holiday season. 2,000 Americans were asked in this uh, survey, and a whole lot of people said that, yeah, no, this feels like a weird time. Um, I, I wonder what that specifically is, if I were to dive deeper into that whether it's like the gifts you want you think are too expensive or you don't want people buying any gifts or maybe you don't want to be buying gifts for others. So you want to do that version of I'm not going to get you anything. Don't get me anything. We'll both be happier for it. I've been doing that with my little brother for a very long time and we are both fairly happy Uh, from time to time. We will go ahead and just buy a gift for ourselves and claim it's from the other person, uh, which is something we usually notify each other of. Uh, But years ago, we decided for various reasons that we just wanted to to one-on-one. My wife doesn't do this. Other people in my family don't do this. But my brother and I do, where you just were like, don't get anything or get whatever you want, and that'll be fine, and I'm not going to be involved at all. So I wonder if that's a part of it. 53% of respondents said they lied to someone about liking a gift, which I actually think is a little bit low. I would imagine that a whole lot of people, uh, especially if you're thinking about how costly things are right now, would keep that to themselves even more than before. And I actually don't know a lot of people who embarrass someone to their face. 
I actually think I can only think of one person I know who said that this happened to them. Not that they did it, but they gave a gift to a family member who told them pretty quickly after opening it that it wasn't what they wanted and they weren't a child. It was two adults involved. Uh, but that, that's a unique human. Uh, a lot of us usually don't do that in general. So, again, I'm surprised that it's it's that low of an amount at 53 that said that they've lied. Uh, and maybe it's just to everyone and not just like the person who gave you the gift. I saw this story. A Kentucky woman won $175,000 in a lottery jackpot recently. I think it was a, a scratch-off ticket. Uh, the thing about it that's making it more newsworthy maybe than most $175,000 lottery wins, her name is Lori. She's an office manager. She got it in a holiday party white elephant gift-giving event where people kind of trade gifts. I wonder if she got stuck with the scratch-off tickets, if she even really wanted them. Um, she, went, she ended up getting a $50, $50 worth of tickets, and on those tickets, won almost $200,000. What I also think is interesting about this story, uh, I was working at a company years ago. It was a, a startup. Uh, we did a lot of customer service and e-commerce things. And an office manager went around to get in on one of the Powerballs when the jackpot got crazy high. And to this day, I will remember something she said. Uh, as we were all giving our money to our boss, and she was trying to go then run out and buy all the tickets, she said, if we won, which the odds of it were incredibly terrible, we should consider giving some of the money back to the company collectively because we should be grateful that the company helped us buy the tickets. Or so, I forget what the exact logic was. It was insane. The minute the woman walked out of the door, all of the people on staff started laughing about the idea of that and not trying to be mean. It, we definitely didn't win, by the way, so no drama ensued. But the fact that a manager would be like, yeah, you should give money back to us, uh, not just keep it for yourselves, that was kind of hilarious. And look, if you love your company, sure, go ahead, buy in, become an investor, uh, make some cash from your cash and don't just spend it and lose it. Uh, but I don't think you should require it or even assume to. But I think about it in this story, too. If the person who gifted the scratchers now regrets it or would like to see a cut, if anybody else at the holiday party would like to see a cut, I imagine people are thinking it and you just got to quit that job. Uh, I think if you're not going to share and you shouldn't, I'm not advocating the share route, then you can't keep working there because too many people want a little slice of that happiness. Uh, I saw this story. Uh, speaking of a slice of happiness, I think it's interesting a growing number of married couples are living entirely apart. Uh, it's called Living Apart Together, or LAT for some reason. It's happening throughout the United States and other places in the world. Uh, the New York Times, I think, is one of the places that reported on this. So trust it if you want to. Don't trust it if you want to. Uh, this is where you either rent an apartment for one of the two people in a relationship or fully own two separate homes that you live in. And I feel like I've talked about this before. I've seen this uh, thing pop up before. Uh, Fox News has this story, too, out. Uh, and I think ABC News might have covered it over the weekend. I can't even fathom pitching that to the misses. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't even I couldn't even figure out how to start the conversation of what if I bought a second house for me and you can't live there? I, <laughs> I don't even know how that would go. Uh, my wife is from Mexico. She's Latina. She would throw shoes at me. Uh, that's something they do there often. I would be hit with so many shoes so quickly and I wonder if it's just like both people together deciding it makes sense for us, but we don't want to break up because to a lot of other people, all of their friends, you broke up. You're not together anymore if you're not living in the same place in a consistent way. And I do even wonder, I was talking about this earlier with some friends, 
if they have dinner like over FaceTime or something, like they're not going to sit together. They're not going to be in the same house. They just do that over social media or something. It, it might make sense. Maybe you even become the person who checks up on your husband or wife on Facebook to see how they're doing so you don't have to call them. Uh, but I would imagine that the right way to do this for most people is probably to move on uh, to a different relationship. But darn it, if you can afford two houses, uh, one person gets one, the other person gets the other. There are fringe benefits. My wife would not hate being able to send me out of the house from time to time. So I'm sure that that would be a part of the process that could work out. Uh, one other story I saw quickly, and I'll probably get to it more after the break, as I know we got a break coming up. An Amazon driver in the UK went viral because during bad weather, this person puts on skis and skis down difficult to pass roadways in order to give the presents or delivery, whatever it must be this time of year, uh, to people in certain neighborhoods. That is way too above and beyond. If my uh, Amazon delivery driver did that, they definitely get a Christmas gift from me. Definitely putting some money in a card and putting it at the door for them to pick up. But also, you can't remotely expect anyone else in the world to be that dedicated. The package can arrive tomorrow, I assume, for most. All right, quick break, a lot more. Greg Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. show independent thoughts independent life this is chad benson this is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff, as always, to talk about. Uh, one of the stories in the news all the time is Twitter, Elon Musk, uh, banning journalists and then unbanning journalists. Uh, Jim Acosta apparently was one of the people who got banned for an amount of time. Granted, I expected his uh, tantrum to be uh, bigger, maybe worse than it actually is. But I do love this audio. I'm not sure why I love it so much. A lot of people that I think are on the conservative side of a lot of issues, especially in uh, watching how social media has been run for years and years and years, enjoyed some of the liberal media people, liberal journalists that got banned and their reaction when they got reinstated on the platform because a lot of people became free speech fans very, very quickly or understood the issue better. I've actually said a lot about uh, politicians on both sides. Uh, that if your life has never put you in certain situations, at times it is harder to govern as if you're um, fully aware of all the challenges that someone faces. One of my favorite examples is that of Illinois and J.B. Pritzker and how he shut down businesses longer than anyone else in the country did in Illinois. And he's actually a guy who inherited a lot of wealth and has a lot of successful family companies for years and years and years that might not fully comprehend what it was like to all the businesses and mom and pop shops that he shut down that wound up being incapable of putting, putting food on the table. It doesn't mean you can't be a good uh, politician. You can be. But sometimes I think that those weaknesses demonstrate themselves for some in the way in which they do this. And maybe case in point 
is this Acosta thing and how funny it is to hear him be so annoyed that he had no social media account for a little while. Here we go. This past week, Lynette, I want to hear your story uh, and more about it in just a few moments. But first, I want to get your reaction to this new policy. And I should note my own account was locked overnight by Twitter. Uh, One of my tweets was found to have violated uh, Twitter's new rule about promoting other sites. I had said, you know, you can find me on Post and Mastodon. And I woke up this morning and my account was locked. I'm still trying to sort it out. Uh, <laughs> but, so bad, uh, Lynette, this all feels very arbitrary and a little frenetic. Uh-huh, yeah, it's all just it's very chaotic. Yeah, I don't know why they would ban us and, and what the confusion was. Now, I also do like the answer uh, given by uh, Acosta's guest because it's exactly what we've been dealing with pretty much from jump on social media, just the individual as opposed to a, a group of people in a room together who are like-minded and going to judge things a certain way not factually, but emotionally and politically and on the left. Now it's just one individual who is trying, I think, quite a bit harder to judge down the middle on things. Uh, But that's the problem, according to the expert guest. The issue is really, truly just that this is all in the hands of one person that doesn't believe what we believe. Well, I think what people really need to understand about what's happening at Twitter now is that it's being run by Elon's feelings and not by any thought about the business model or, you know, (laughs) anything else like that. It doesn't matter what he's thinking about. It just matters that he's making these decisions on his own and we don't get a say in it, even though he actually puts stuff up on Twitter for people to vote on. And based on those decisions, he makes uh, certain calls. He reactivated the journalist's accounts. And now uh, if he follows the poll, the most recent poll on his, his profile, he will step down as the CEO of Twitter. He'll still own it. Uh, So I think that people will be very interested to see what happens because I don't think it's going to suddenly be run by someone who utterly disagrees with Elon's approach to it. Anyway, moving on. Other things I thought were interesting. Martha Raddatz sat down and had a conversation at the border with Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, The reason I found this so valuable, and Martha was, I think, trying to trap uh, Governor Abbott in this line of questioning or this way of thinking uh, by insinuating or just factually just out fall out saying that it's really Republicans who have caused the surge of people at the border because, well, Republicans are the ones talking about it. Republicans are the ones that are making people in those countries who want to travel here legally aware that our border is, quote, open. This point is ridiculous. It's insane. And it actually shows a whole lot of um, uneducated or just naive opinions in the world of how this works, this whole system works how a message would be communicated to people uh, in order to try to, say, ramp up uh, the amount of cartel uh, brought individuals coming to our border. It's just insane to think that everyone's just watching our cable news television shows and deciding whether or not to make a dangerous journey across uh, several countries in order to cross over here because, well, somebody on Fox said that it was going to (laughs) work. That's insane to me. Here we go. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say... We have an open board and come on over. But people I have heard say it are you, our former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates. There's never been a better time to get away. With so a great they deal do on get the, the message that it is an open border. And smugglers use all those kinds of statements. By the way, someone needed to fix uh, Martha's microphone and the wind tunnel that apparently she was in. They didn't do it. You would think on the bigger TV shows they'd fix that somehow. But I love the fact that they didn't figure out a way, maybe a position to put her in, maybe put something up uh, to help prevent the wind from flying right into the microphone. But darn it, uh, let's continue. It was it was known from the time that Joe Biden got elected 
that Joe Biden supported open borders. Uh, it is known uh, by the cartels who have sophisticated information whether or not the Biden administration is going to enforce the immigration laws or not. Yes. See, that's the most valuable point. Uh, this is a telephone game easily and consistently. Uh, what I mean by that is that whether it's cartels uh, informing other members of their their drug syndicate, their uh, illegal like mafia-esque syndicate of individuals, uh, that they can get more people into our country. So go ahead and spread the news, offer the service, if that's what you want to call it, uh, where people pay them a lot of money. And a lot of bad things happen uh, to people who trust cartels and trying to get across the border into our country. But they would essentially be ramping up uh, their services because they can make more money because people are getting in. And beyond that, people just communicate with each other. Uh, if you're from one of those countries, uh, my wife is from Mexico, uh, you hear stories, you have conversations about people who are going to try to get in or, or someone in the town who's gone that they think maybe went to the United States. And the interesting thing about it, and I always ask extra questions on those topics and people usually stop answering my questions. Uh, but what I think is so interesting about it is that that's really how this happens is people succeed and they let other people know in whatever country it is they're coming from that you could succeed too. And that's because of the policy itself. It has nothing to do with whether or not we describe it or talk about it in political circles or on television and conversations on radio. And honestly, if uh, what is actually being asked for by Martha Raddatz here is for us to just all shut up about it and stop talking about it like the Biden administration has done, that doesn't solve problems. Just being quiet uh, doesn't usually make anything go away or get better. Uh, they seem to be very aware of this in this exact case, in this exact situation. So I just think it's all very interesting that essentially the blame is trying to be thrown a certain way. And I'm fairly certain that that failed, uh, even from Martha's opinion. All right. One other last thing I do want to play. I thought this was interesting. Uh, this is Margaret Brennan. She is grilling uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, uh, who is a Biden border crisis individual, uh, about why the president doesn't just go to the border. It doesn't seem to make sense. It's an odd thing because it even happened with um, our vice president. It happens with others in this administration. Uh, there were so many calls, if you remember, of course, for Trump to go visit the border when Democrats were saying that kids were in cages and it was the worst thing they'd ever seen. So for Democrats, not only to not follow that, uh, which is, I guess, typical political 101, uh, but then also pretend as though this question is kind of awful. It's just insane. It's just crazy. And I wonder if you just play this answer back at some time in the future, uh, the next time a Republican is demanded to go somewhere and they don't go anywhere, because the reason why uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms says they couldn't make it is just, you know, it's it's tough scheduling a president's travel. Well, you have to remember, Margaret, when the president travels, it's not like you or I jumping on an airplane and getting off and going to our destination. Everything comes to a halt. So all of these <laughs> things are in consideration right. for the president. You can't. Is that the best use of resources? All of the resources that will be diverted on the ground when the president makes a visit. Is that why but he didn't is go? that visit? Um, <laughs> I love the fact that they stop her at one point. Is that why I didn't go up? Uh, I, uh, anyway. But that was there was a couple pushes to ask why uh, the president seems to have no interest at all in even seeing the problem firsthand. As I said a bit ago in this conversation, I think that happens a lot with politicians. If you're unaware and you don't make yourself aware, which uniquely politicians can do uh, by getting on a plane on Air Force One, I think it's fairly easy for him to schedule that flight and get there uh, and then respond to the situation once you fully understood what it actually is and not just pretend as though it's a political talking point. 
and your side is unfairly being attacked by the other side. But remember, every single one of these times in which this conversation existed in the past and it was a Republican not doing something a Democrat thought they needed to do, not only did the politicians, but a lot of media talked about it as if it was the worst thing that's ever happened, the worst decision ever made by whoever it was in office. And then when the Democrats do it, well, you know, scheduling is just difficult. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Irreverence? Um, like, yeah. So what? It's the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Chad is back after the holidays. A health expert in Australia is calling for the end to something they believe to be a huge problem. The end of, quote, overweight Santa. Uh, This health expert is saying that we need a more um, health conscious Santa, a skinny Santa, a dieting Santa, Dr. Vincent Kandarotwan uh, is the one that's saying this. Uh, this is ridiculous, in my opinion. It's ridiculous for a bunch of reasons. Uh, but apparently the expert is uh, saying that the biggest cause of, of problems in our society is that Santa hasn't slimmed down, uh, that St. Nick is still uh, the a bowl full of jelly that so many of us uh, envision. I, I, don't, I don't understand uh, why this sort of stuff becomes a conversation at all in all honesty. And actually, uh, personally, if it's okay with this health expert, I prefer my Santa to look the way that Santa does. Uh, that's the one that I like. Uh, that's the one that I envision when I think of, of everything that is uh, Santa plus Christmas. I, I think sometimes what really does happen, I'm going to move on from this story. I just have one other uh, thought about it, is that people go out and look for a thing to talk about in a way to raise enough awareness as to who they are, to get attention, whatever it might be, and to also fulfill a narrative. So I believe that this doctor hasn't been like sitting around thinking to themselves how bad of an example Santa is to young children, but actually thinking, what kind of example can I pick that people will think is a really dumb thing to say in order to try to talk about whatever I want to talk about and ignore everything else? To be honest, I think that's actually how a lot of people communicate. I'm going to get on my high horse for a second here. Uh, Bear with me, and I apologize for doing it. I think that now more than ever, uh, because before, say, you even throw something out there, a thought, an idea, a concept, a belief into the wild that is the world we live in today. Uh, You can research it whatever way you want to, to come up with whatever defense of it you want, and then just say that and move on. And so we essentially all just put our fingers in our ears when everyone talks back to us. And I'm not saying we all, I'm not saying you do it. I'm I'm saying I see it a lot in society, uh, maybe even a lot on social media. Uh, But you just stop listening. And all you care about is sharing your opinion, much like this doctor and their opinion about whether or not Santa should slim down. Uh, And I think that that's the big problem that we face uh, often in this society and why something like a Twitter uh, run by an Elon Musk who may or may not be stepping down from it, uh, but run by someone like that who's allowing both sides of a conversation to exist very often uh, matters and is necessary in a, a system or a, a world in which those conversations are becoming few and far between. And even if someone had like a valuable objection to a thing this doctor is saying uh, that the doctor even agrees with, they will no longer hear it or listen because, darn it, that's not what this is about. This is broadcasting my message and no one else's. To the world. I say that as I'm on a radio show that I'm hosting solo. I'm aware, but I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, here, let me do this. Uh, Cadults are a thing. 
I love this story. Producer Phil pointed me toward this one. Cadults have a great fondness for cartoons, Star Wars, Legos. Uh, essentially, this is people like a Gen Z or millennial adult uh, that has a, a bit of nostalgia for how prevalent maybe toys or certain things were in my youth. I am a millennial. Uh, and so what are they doing? Well, they're buying toys now as, as fully grown adults. They actually account for one-fourth, according to this story, of the toy industry itself, and a whole lot of big manufacturers of toys are starting to make products designed for adults. You know, it's interesting uh, to hit on this topic because uh, here in the studio I'm in, uh, there are some pop figurines. If you don't know what those are, uh, those are essentially little bobbleheads uh, that are, I guess, more or less toys. So I, I might be a adult if purchasing these things makes me a adult. But I have a Yankee. I got Derek Jeter. I got uh, Michael Jordan. I, I have some stuff. Anyway, I think it's interesting because the further you go, the more things you see. Yeah, there are a lot of young people, whether it's even buying the McDonald's adult Happy Meal. That's a thing that came out and, and millennial and Gen Z people uh, loved. And I'm sure this isn't great. I'm sure there's no part of this that is good in our society uh, that now uh, adults still grab up toys. I don't think they're playing with them. I hope they're not playing with them. I don't want to go any further. And I know some people were thinking about other things. As I said that there, I'm not making those jokes. Uh, but I just think it's so interesting that the uh, toy industry itself can count on adult people and I know that the generations above millennials uh, will not find this to be a very entertaining story. Uh, well, maybe entertaining it is, uh, but certainly depressing as far as the uh, decision-making of young people. Uh, to be honest, I know a bunch of friends who will buy Starbucks and say a toy they don't need and then miss their payment for their rent. And that's probably part of the problem. That's something that needs to be addressed soon. And I am not proud uh, that millennials are being called cadults. Uh, this is a dark day. All right. One other thing I wanted to touch on. I like this story a lot. Uh, a man received a bunch of backlash on social media for, quote, kicking an innocent delivery robot. This is a real story. Uh, this guy was shopping in a store. I think he's one of those food service people. And the delivery robot, which I guess is from a company called Starship, uh, was also in the store shopping for things that they were going to deliver. And I guess they were competing over some of the same stuff or bumping into each other. So the guy just kind of kicked the robot. I think this happened in the UK. And everybody freaked out uh, that saw it on social media. They all thought the man was mean and insensitive because how dare he uh, kick a robot that's just trying to make a living doing its job. Here's the thing. It's a robot. Sorry, I'm going to try to, the, like, I don't know when we got here. I know cadulting is probably part of the problem that has caused this. But I have a little Roomba in my house, uh, not the brand name, actually. I got the cheaper stuff. Uh, and sometimes it's real dumb, and it goes right after me. It, it shoots right toward me, and I have to move it away from myself. Uh, and darn it, since it's not a living, breathing thing, I don't do that the nicest way either. Uh, but I just love the fact that so many are reacting to this. Uh, one person even said uh, that robots now have AI that they have artificial intelligence and they're learning robots. So they're definitely going to remember the slight that this guy caused in kicking one. And when the uprising happens, he's one of the first people to go. And that's fine. I accept that part too. If the robots do uprise, I will uh, deny anything I said here. Uh, but this is just so hilarious to me that people were upset uh, because the robot that has no feelings uh, got kicked uh, for a slight second uh, during a video that went by. I wonder why someone was even taping that. Oh, one other quick thing. I know we got to take a break in just a second. You've been popping your microwave popcorn wrong. Uh, according to social media, the best way to do it is to, before you open that little slit that, that is created, when you pop your popcorn, flip the bag over and shake it so you get all the unpopped kernels out. 
This really went viral on social media. I didn't know this. This is a genius move. So that way you only have popped popcorn when you open the bag. That's a real thing. A lot of people are saying, is that what it's for? Is this the way this was designed to always work? We had no idea. Uh, but people are, are now popping their popcorn correctly uh, just in time for the holidays thanks to a viral post on, I think it was TikTok, by some dude named Ryan Boy 1989 So he's the one who's changed the world for the better. Thank you to him. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Chad is back after the holiday. Uh, Let's get right to it. There's a lot of things out there in the world that I think are pretty interesting. A lot of people are talking about the January 6th panel, so maybe I'll touch on that in a second. Uh, But first, I want to play this. Uh, This is NBC's Chuck Todd uh, saying that he, even himself, is a little confused as to why Democrats are acting like they won the midterms, because, well, even though there was no giant red wave, uh, that was something that was predicted and definitely didn't happen and definitely, I think, caused a lot of rethinking of strategy within the Republican Party. Uh, Democrats have to remember a couple things on their own. Democrats, meanwhile, may have a false sense of security, acting like they won the midterms, but they did lose the House and they did lose the popular vote. The popular vote! The vote that always matters so much uh, in so many conversations where it, well, doesn't actually matter that much at all. Uh, They lost the popular vote and they also did, in fact, lose control of the House. uh, So things didn't go as well as as again, uh, they would have liked them to go for Democrats to feel like all of their positions are great. And Republicans are so dumb and all their positions are terrible. Uh, A case in point might be this as far as a blind side or just a a way of thinking that I think is going to wind up not mattering not only to the American people, but really the election process itself. Uh, The January 6th panel will push to prosecute former President Donald Trump. Uh, They will make a lot of recommendations that don't really matter because it's not really their job to do that last part. It's the Justice Department's job. And beyond that, they're also going to go away very soon because, as uh, we just heard a second ago, uh, you know, uh, Republicans gain control of the House and Democrats Democrats are no longer in charge. So they're not going to be able to building these committees anymore regardless. What I think is so interesting about it, again, is this desire to get Trump, uh, because whether you think January 6th and the investigations and the things that they've put out into the world have any value or no value, and a whole lot of people are all over the place on that conversation, uh, what's definitely apparent and has been apparent since the beginning of this and the two, quote unquote, Republicans that are a part of it, both of which are not necessarily uh, considered Republican by anyone within the party, and both of which are out of jobs in the very near future. I, I think it's very interesting because it's it's been a goal to get and make sure uh, that Trump is held as legally responsible as humanly possible for anything and everything uh, in regards to January 6th. And that was the only focus. It wasn't bipartisan. It didn't desire to learn the facts in a real way. It desired to have the outcome that they're going to claim they have 
I think that's later this week, Wednesday. What's interesting about the day they chose, by the way, Wednesday, is that that's going to be the same day that uh, Title 42 goes away and we see an increase of people at the border. Uh, because of that, a lot of reports are saying it. So just such odd timing to have a different distraction hit media. I'm not trying to be full conspiracy tinfoil hat guy, uh, but I don't think they had to do it the same day. They're choosing to do it anyway. Uh, and beyond that, again, to those who didn't care from jump on this, your opinion hasn't been changed. Those who, from uh, the moment it started, thought that it was going to go a certain way. I don't know if your opinions have changed. And the most important thing I'd like to say about the topic, I don't know that former President Trump will actually be the candidate Republicans run in the presidential election. I know he's running. I know, depending on who you are within the Republican Party, you either embrace that or hate that idea and think it's wrong. And there's a lot of time left for a lot of things to happen. But what if all of this by Democrats is essentially wasted time because Trump doesn't actually see any sort of legal problem arise from it and he doesn't wind up being the nominee at all? Then this obsession with Trump, I think, just makes Democrats look bad. Uh, that's my own opinion. Uh, it's fine. We'll move on. Uh, I know people are all over the place on that topic, too. All right, let's talk about this. Uh, I think this is interesting. Uh, we're doing essentially holiday shows here, so I'm going to get a little bit more away from politics if I can or news if I can. Uh, but I love this. Uh, a survey from Uber has talked about the things that Americans are likely to order, uh, the food trends of 2020, 2022, excuse me, and they said a lot of them are fascinating. First and foremost, in almost all 50 states and throughout the entirety of the United States, people say no to onions. It is the most requested item to hold off on an order. If it comes with onions, a whole lot of people almost universally, according to the app and the website, uh, say no to that. They actually also say no to tomatoes, I guess, second most often. And extra sauce is a requirement and ask for a lot of people sauce, which is probably made up of uh, onions and tomatoes. But anyway, that part doesn't matter. I just love the fact that, and actually in some states specifically, people are also asking for things to be extra spicy. Those states, not the ones you'd expect. Michigan, Wisconsin, Utah, North, North Dakota are four of the places that love a spicy product. Uh, the no booze boom was big in 2020, 22. I don't know why I can't keep saying that. 2022. Uh, apparently a whole lot of people wanted zero proof alcohol, which is an absolute waste. I'm going to be honest. I think that's an abomination to the product itself. I don't know why I drink an alcohol tasting product that has no alcohol in it. I've never got outside of maybe for um, health reasons or a couple other reasons, someone drinking a zero proof beer. But the fact that a whole lot of young people just like doing it for their own health, uh, a 300 percent increase in orders that had wine and spirits that have no actual alcohol in them. It uh, just confuses me. I don't know where we're going uh, because, again, if you want something that isn't alcohol, there's a lot of beverage options out there in the world. The decline of ranch dressing is on here, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, less and less people are ordering their salads with ranch. Uh, people are all bored. Uh, we've all done it for too long. We've all accepted it as the staple product. We all need to move on. Uh, Late-night college cravings are a thing, which they've always been. This doesn't feel at all uh, like news. Uh, but Uber sees some of their uh, highest traffic times uh, at night, late at night, when they're heading off to colleges. Penn State, by the way, was number one, uh, followed by the University of Iowa and the University of Illinois and Texas A&M as schools that see the most orders for late-night food. I like that one um, because when I was in college, uh, there was no Uber. And so I guess we, we did the traditional thing, order a pizza. Or my favorite is when one guy on our floor in our dorm cooked a pizza while very, very drunk and fell asleep. 
and burned it to a degree that I've never seen a pizza burn before and set off the fire alarm so that everyone had to leave the dorm at like 3.30 in the morning. And that dude was the last guy out of the dorm as well. And then they found that it was just a very, very Cajun-style pizza inside his dorm room. Uh, no one was hurt. No fire actually occurred. Uh, but that's the old school way to do it. The way where you wake up everybody and make them all mad at you for the rest of the semester. The new way, I guess, is just call Uber and still probably fall asleep. Uh, finally, uh, one of the other big trends they saw is that viral cocktails, things that would go viral on, say, TikTok, would wind up being ordered from a whole lot of restaurants that didn't make them. I love this one, too. You just put in your order and you put, like, custom uh, at the end of it and you just ask for, like, uh, some special Negroni uh, spagliato or whatever it is that they're talking about on here uh, that has no real version of things that exist in the world. Uh, these are just custom things created by influencers that are now making restaurants throughout the world very upset, very annoyed. And you probably don't even have to make it right. Here's a hack for anyone that gets one of these orders in the near future from a college person late at night. Make whatever you want. Make any drink product at all, and they'll probably think it's the thing they just ordered from you uh, that they saw go viral on the Internet. They'll, ha they'll be none the wiser, and we'll all be very happy about that. Uh, actually, I also saw this, apparently, last thing, and then I will move on from this story. Uh, this year in 2022, got it right that time, it was more popular than ever to make sure to pair your drink item with your food item and even ask for recommendations uh, before doing it on Uber. Uh, people care more than ever about making sure that if you're, if you're eating something, that whatever it is you're sipping on absolutely matches. I like that one. This is the only one I won't make fun of uh, because it does make a difference, I think, if you pick the right thing to drink with the right thing to eat. But again, I'm going for actual booze, not the fake stuff uh, when I have my steak. Uh, one other thing I thought was uh, kind of interesting, just quirky out there in the world, uh, holiday get, ho oh, excuse me, hotel guests uh, traveling for the holidays in Germany uh, were terrified when a giant fish tank inside the lobby of a hotel just sort of shattered. And I guess 1,500 fish flew out into the um, middle of the lobby. People were bouncing around and everything. They called the cops who arrived and probably couldn't really do anything to help make it better. Um, everybody's okay, by the way. But you know what? I, the reason I wanted to talk about this for a second, the reason I thought this story was interesting, and by the way, the aquarium that they had in their, their lobby, 52 feet high. It was massive. It was gigantic. I've always been afraid of this. Anytime I go to a restaurant or anything where they have that giant uh, area where all the fish are or the lobster or whatever it is, we know they want it to break. When you look at them and you make eye contact with the lobster that you're about to consume, you know it's just waiting for that moment where the entire restaurant is full of water and their, their little cage shatters. And so I've always been concerned. And to know that it actually happened anywhere in the world now makes me even more concerned. Although I guess I'd kind of enjoy it, too. Uh, a little part of me would like to actually fight for my food. So if the lobster and I get to square off right before I consume it, I'll feel like more of a man. So maybe it becomes a gimmick. Maybe you break the thing on purpose, and then we all, we all swim and forage. It would be a heck of a way to make people realize how the real world works. Just get a bunch of millennials in a room and do that to them. And I, I imagine things will go very poorly. I will be one of the victors, though. I promise that. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. If you like talk radio like Chad Benson likes his meals, you've come to the perfect place for takeout. This is The Chad Benson Show. 
My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about in the next half hour or so. I'm not going to do it now, but this is a pretty long tease. Uh, We're going to talk about how the FBI and Twitter were in constant communication during the Trump years. That's something that's been uh, breaking a lot throughout the day earlier today. Uh, But right now I want to talk about Starbucks. I don't know why I want to talk about this so much. I don't know what it is. Like, maybe I'm alone in caring about this. Uh, Maybe no one else um, at this point even blinks an eye anymore or bats an eye at this. And I use the self-checkout at a grocery store, so I'm putting that out there, too, uh, in context of this story. Apparently, in some Starbucks throughout the the country, as early as March of this year, they've been trying out these self-serve single brew machines so that you would walk into a Starbucks, brew your own coffee in a self-serve machine, pay for it at the same price of any other Starbucks item, and then, I guess, drink it in the Starbucks and leave, or maybe you just go on your way. So we're brewing our own coffee now. Uh, Starbucks a long time ago was made fun of, uh, definitely not anymore, uh, by people for being a place where you just sold coffee. Uh, How could that be a thing that ever catches on and exists? It's like bottled water when people thought that was hilarious, too. And now it's an incredibly important and powerful, uh, uh, you know, industry in and of itself. A whole lot of people in the water game. Uh, But this this has to be the tipping point, at least to me. We can't be asked to make our own coffee inside a Starbucks because you can literally do that so easily at home. You can even buy the machine that I guess they're promoting this way, the Clover Vertica 2, uh, T2 Starbucks machine. That's uh, something that, again, I said they're trying out in more and more places. It's going to hopefully cut down on the drive through line. Now, there's There's got to be a point. Uh, if Starbucks convinces the, the world, or at least young people, to brew their own coffee inside its establishment, They don't even need to hire employees anymore. And I know they've been dealing with a whole lot of people that are unionizing. This is definitely the best threat to that. If I'll just roll into a Starbucks, go behind the counter and make my own beverage, uh, then things are over for so many people in so many places. It's got to stop. I'm I'm on this fight alone, I think. I think I'm the only person. I'm going to pick it. I'm not going to pick it. All right, let's move on. Uh, I thought this was pretty funny. A woman went viral on social media. Her name is Brenna uh, because she made, quote, a fake resume. She made it to amuse herself, take a photo of, send around on social media to her friends, laugh about it. Uh, The reason that the resume was so unique in its fakeness is it didn't lie about jobs. It's not like she made one of those where she claimed to be an astronaut at one point or whatever. She just acted as though she was in like a uh, witness protection program. So she has a a set of glasses, a mustache, a top hat on in her photo Uh, that she put on it. All of her jobs are listed as confidential. There's no contact information on it. None of that. Everybody thought it was really funny, I guess, as far as her friends go. Uh, But she had accidentally saved it on LinkedIn. So she was using it without knowing it to apply for jobs for the last three months. She wasn't getting any calls. She was curious why. Uh, But she was sending a totally fake, completely hilarious resume, I guess, according to some. Uh, And what I love most about this story, uh, by the way, and maybe it speaks to more and more young people being in positions where they're hiring other young people for jobs. A bunch of those who commented on it said they would absolutely hire someone who sent in a resume like this, a resume that wasn't valuable at all, that told no story about the applicant, but just made a person laugh because of how uniquely uh, necessary it is to stand out in the world of when you're mass applying to jobs online. Uh, They actually say that you should show up at a company you want to work at and apply in person. Uh, because that's so rare, and I've talked about that, I think, before on this show, uh, but it's so rare that it might actually help you get the job. Uh, now just send out something completely uh, humorous that has no real intention of promoting you, the professional, at all, and it sounds like you might get it, although she didn't get any offers, 
So even though people said they'd hire her, no one was. So it's a little bit of, I'm not sure which one is true here. Uh, but I love the idea that you could uh, just make everything up, make a joke, and someone will call you. And they can find everything on their own. Uh, the internet is what it is. Actually, I was talking about this earlier today. Uh, this is kind of a reflection on that. I have a friend of mine that I was very close to in high school, and uh, we lost touch. We didn't really talk that much for a while. Uh, but I was thinking about her recently, so I shot her a quick Facebook message and said hi. She said hi back. We got to talking. We eventually got on the phone and actually did the human thing and caught up with each other. But it became very interesting uh, because early on we both admitted we were still keeping tabs on each other via the Internet. So we knew everything. And it was the most awkward and also kind of fun conversation of all the things that it had been a few years since we touched base. We knew about each other that weren't genuinely updates. So it started to become a, well, do you even, like, is there anything you don't know? Is there anything? Because honestly, uh, the world of that now, social media, whatever it might be, is causing so many people to not pick up the phone, reconnect, have a conversation, not apply to a job in line, not do all this kind of stuff. Uh, when you actually do it, even if you acknowledge all the stuff that you might already know, it's sort of lovely. So I would highly recommend. I think the pandemic uh, caused a lot of people to actually do that as well, too. So that's pretty cool. Uh, just quickly, one other story that is definitely not as, as fun as what I was just talking about a second ago. Uh, not as uplifting. I don't know why this is a thing that happens. Uh, there's a guy. He's a Filipino uh, painter. His name is Lido Circa. He's 52. Uh, he likes to make his own paint for his art. He's an artist. Uh, he likes to make it from his own blood. So he, he gets enough paint from blood. Uh, his DNA, he said, is a big part of his art. And so then he paints in blood. Um, you, I will say this about this story. And I don't know that he actually is famous. This is the first time I've ever heard of him. You have to be famous for this to not be the scariest thing anyone has ever found out about you. If Alito is single and goes on a date with someone he meets on a social media or dating app and they just get to talking and he brings up how he paints in his own blood, there's not going to be a second date. That person is going to excuse himself to the bathroom and disappear for the rest of the evening. The only way, again, that you rise above the level where this is the scariest and creepiest thing you've ever said out loud as a human is if you become famous for doing it, then different rules apply. But working your way up to the to the moment where you're famous for painting in your own blood, that's got to be a lot of a lot of negative moments, a lot of odd conversations. I don't think he's the only person that does this, by the way. I'm sure he's not. Just one of the only ones I've ever talked about on the radio. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff, as always, to talk about. Uh, one thing you might ask for for Christmas, I don't think that many of us or any of us really will get it, uh, but the job security that Democrats try to give to DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, that's something you would ask for under the tree. Please give me the job security of someone who's done a tremendously bad job at the border, and yet even Joe Manchin, 
someone who is calling for uh, things that a lot of Democrats are not calling for right now in the world of the border, uh, says that he's been doing a great job doing nothing. Like, what do you actually do if you're a uh, secretary and your job is to deal with the border and your administration, the people you work for, don't want you to do anything about it? Like, what do you think the days actually entail? I'm, I'm very curious about that. Is Alejandro, like, up to stuff? Is he, like, getting real good at Call of Duty? Uh, does he have a gamer tag just like uh, DHS Mayorkas or something that you can play against? I don't know what's going on. But here, here is part of what Manchin said uh, in response to a question about the unprecedented crisis and how it's only getting worse, likely much worse Wednesday of this week uh, as Title 42 goes away. But uh, he says, no, things are things are great. He's doing a wonderful job. How do you yeah. get to bipartisan legislation on legal migration when you are uh, about to face a Republican-controlled House that's vowed to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary? Yeah, well, first of all, that's it's, it's, it's an unfair charge against Ali Morkis. <laughs> I uh-huh. think the gentleman is, is, is very competent. He can do a good job. They just need to unleash him, let him do his job. They need to unleash him. They need to let him do his job. Uh, that's really the only problem with he could do a good job. I, I don't know what that's like. Uh, the, the comparison I keep making is if you said to your boss that you didn't do a good job because you weren't allowed to do one, and then you get to keep your job. You're like, no, nah, it's, it's, you know, it's on you. It's not on me. Uh, this is not my fault at all. Uh, but in the case of, of anyone that actually takes that gig, even though I think Mayorkas has uniquely been terrible, uh, mostly because he's told people publicly how great they're doing, and then privately all the audio has said that he's pretty sure things are horrible, uh, it's that other thing you see sometimes where you got the confident friend uh, who doesn't realize you're still paying attention uh, and all of a sudden just breaks. Uh, that's that We've seen that time and again. Uh, but anyway, it's just, again, a version of uh, it's not a problem that this person has created on their own, and it's not something they're being allowed to fix. So uh, they're doing great, and they can stay. I want to play this audio. I love this a lot. Uh, this is uh, some Fox coverage of the FBI and Twitter and how constant their communication was, according to new reports and new Twitter files uh, that are out. Uh, this is something that's been coming out the last few weeks, if you've been paying attention. Uh, Elon Musk has been opening the door to a lot of the things that have been behind that door for quite some time. Some of them have been more valuable than others. I think a lot of them haven't really been discussed enough on uh, television or in a lot of the news places that you wish they'd be talked about and the places that swear they're not partisan at all. Uh, and yet still, we don't get a lot of coverage of the Hunter Biden laptop story either. Uh, but this this matters. Uh, the amount of communication that the FBI and Twitter um, had uh, during Trump's time in office, the, the focal point of some of those things, uh, here's a little bit about that. Uh, here's a little bit of that reporting. Well, this latest Twitter files dump shows just how close and constant communication was between the FBI and Twitter. At one point, the FBI was even demanding written answers from Twitter over statements they made about propaganda on the platform that even made Twitter executives uncomfortable. Independent journalist Matt Taibbi says the contact between Twitter and FBI was, quote, constant and pervasive as if it were a subsidiary, saying between (laughs) January 2020 and November 2022, There were over 150 emails between the FBI and former Twitter trust and safety chief Yoel Roth. Agencies like the FBI and DHS, even state governments, regularly flagged social media content for action. One internal here, you know, there's something I have in reaction to all this and the significance of this story. And it's something I actually get in an argument uh, pretty often with a couple buddies of mine. Uh, These are friends of mine that you probably have, too. Uh, people who believe in a lot of the conspiracy theories that are out there. And I'm not trying to to belittle all of them and say that every conspiracy theory is wrong. There's actually a famous comedian I like quite a bit 
who jokes that some of the conspiracies have to be true because, come on, they can't all be wrong. Uh, but my friends will tell me all the time, these buddies of mine, how Twitter was created from jump to be a platform that the government could use the way the government seemed to be using it, the way that these Twitter files and everything else are demonstrating the access uh, that political people had or, or organizations within our government had uh, to people that could make unique decisions on a social media platform as significant, as valuable as Twitter. I don't believe that the guy who creates it originally, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, any of the platforms, although same guy for both of those, I guess, um, whatever it is, creates it to be a conduit to um, a, a government version of control. I don't think that that happens. But I do think that the government seizes an opportunity quickly whenever they get it. So if you build a company, whether you do it on purpose or by accident, and I don't know uh, the original people at Twitter and what their design was or intention was, but if you build it in a California and if you hire a bunch of young people, uh, even by the last uh, midterm election, we know that young people overwhelmingly voted Democratic. Then what you've done is you've put a lot of like-minded people in the same building and then you've let some government officials reach out a couple times, let's say early on, and say, hey, can we change this? Can we switch this? Can we get this to be different? And when you say yes, when you keep playing ball, they go further. It's the, it's the adage that you've heard over and over again uh, that power gets abused once it's handed to someone. And it seems as though Twitter kind of willingly, and I don't know if they did this again intentionally or not at first, gave a lot of control. Uh, to the politicians, to the, the structures that be. And so I, I tell my friends this, and they tell me, no, it had to be created intentionally to be used the way it was. And I just don't think that's a true reflection of how our society works. I think that's a reflection of how the government works and the things they like to take control of and change and, and manipulate. But I think more often than not, what we're seeing now, even in news media, I, I crap on news media. I know other people crap on news media that you may or may not uh, listen to on radio and whatnot. Uh, but I don't think that there's some shady behind the scenes guy who has access to everything that everyone on, on your local news says or national news says. I just think that certain industries are attracting a whole lot of like minded people for one reason or another. And maybe that is uh, somewhat intentional, somewhat unintentional. And then those industries are allowing the control to exist and the government wants it. They will always take it. The FBI, whoever it is that's given access to something and can influence it and change it. Uh, that's why it was so terrifying. Uh, real quickly, I'll say this and then I'll move on. Uh, when this administration, when the, the Biden administration wanted to create a ministry of truth, uh, and people thought that that was ridiculous when you talk about it, if you're on the side of the aisle that loves, I don't know how anybody loves uh, this administration. I don't think anybody does. I think I've seen the data. Uh, Democrats don't. But if you're in any form of this, we're like, no, 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 that's not the thing. You can't let the government be the people that decide what's true and what's false. You just can't let that happen. And so whether or not uh, Elon Musk, who put out a, a poll and said that he'd step down from Twitter if enough people voted for him to step down, and they did, uh, that poll is actually closed. I thought it would run for 24 hours. I think it only ran for 14. Uh, so a lot of people are saying that Elon is stepping down. I think he's made jokes or something that no one else wants the job. Uh, so that's all interesting and stuff that's out there in the world. Um, but I think the social media platform will probably still be run the way that he believes it should be as long as he owns it. And I think that's a good thing. I think that all of these Twitter files, all of this information we've seen absolutely has value, absolutely has a place in the conversation for everyday Americans. And whether or not private companies can make their own decisions, of course, everyone agrees they can. 
Uh, but whether or not it's a good thing to have the government so involved in those decisions at these big giant platforms, uh, of course, a lot of us, if we're just being honest and not trying to be politically one-sided to win a conversation, probably think that they shouldn't. All right. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about just quickly, and then we'll take a break. I think this is interesting. Uh, you're hearing about a lot of layoffs. Uh, you're probably going to be hearing more and more about layoffs in the new year uh, because, well, a lot of companies are expecting that recession that we are kind of in. Uh, some say not, but others say yes to get worse, if not better. Uh, but I think this is interesting. One of the jobs that people are losing a lot of, and I guess this has been happening since August of this year, are social media people, uh, people who are in charge of social media at your company, at whatever company it might be. And I guess there's a new trend. There's a new hashtag on TikTok specifically where a social media professional uh, goes on that platform to complain about getting fired uh, because the job didn't care or their content was so great. The, the, created, the things they were making as a creative, uh, nobody else could come up with. That meme that they made is, is definitely special. And I'm not saying that social media is easier, or easy, excuse me. I don't want anyone to mishear me. I know there's skill and talent there. But if I'm looking across my company and I want to survive to tomorrow, which I think some of these companies are thinking, uh, maybe a lot of the smaller ones and not necessarily the big giant ones. Uh, one of the first people that's going to go is the guy that's running my Facebook, the guy that's running my social media account. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm not going to generate business the same. Uh, I don't know what it would be. That would be the big challenge. But I would think that I would keep, say, my director of sales before I would keep my director of Instagram. I'm just that's just me. I don't know if that's a lot of people. And then going and complaining about it, by the way, on social media, if that's the job you want to have, the profession you want to stay in. Probably not a good career move. Someone who's thinking about hiring you to be the next uh, CEO of their Twitter account is probably not going to love the fact that you uh, scorched earth the last company on your profile as soon as you got the chance to do it, as soon as you were laid off. But darn it, let's not think about that. That's a concern for another day. A uh, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Podcasts are American as hot dogs, apple pie, football, and sushi. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, my goodness. No. Okay, maybe not sushi. Next time you have a craving for something sweet and tangy, download a Chad Benson Show podcast. Mm, boy. That is good. It's different because you get a little bit of saltiness. Uh, it's so good because it's sweet and salty at the same time. Get a taste on iTunes, iHeart, or Spotify and binge to your ears content. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be here. Uh, thank you to Chad and everybody involved at Radio America for letting me fill in for him. Much deserved vacation for one of the absolute best broadcasters I know and one of the hardest working guys uh, in radio. Uh, this is one of the hardest working guys in, in movies, in film and television, I guess. Uh, maybe just movies, Tom Cruise. Uh, but this is hilarious. This is going viral, I think, uh, throughout the day today. Uh, Tom Cruise was creating a promotion for his latest Mission Impossible movie. And in order to do that the Tom Cruise way, uh, he did it live from an airplane that he's about to jump out of, which they're claiming is actually a shot in the movie. I'm going to play some of this. There's a lot of wind resistance because, well, he's in a plane. And as soon as he jumps out, I'll probably stop it there. But the camera guy goes with. So actually the whole promo is, is them also uh, falling to the ground. So you should probably check that out. 
on some form of uh, uh, video entertainment, uh, your internet or whatnot on the old television. It might be there at some point. That's a terrible way I just described uh, what radio is not. Uh, but I'm going to play it for you because I think it's amazing. Here we go. Here is Tom Cruise uh, promoting the next Mission Impossible movie by jumping out of a plane live on camera. South Africa, and we're filming Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1 and 2. And I didn't want the year to end without thanking you all for coming out to the theater. And thank you for supporting Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, that's great. Hey, hey, Tim, this is Corey. I'm the director. Hi, everybody. Hey. By the way, I love the fact that you can barely understand what he's saying at that point. Uh, there's another guy sitting behind him on the plane who's telling him, hey, uh, we got to get going here as I'll play a little bit more of it in a second. Uh, but this is the worst possible way to create audio for um, any sort of commercial. But it's awesome. Thank you. Hey, uh, listen, we really got to roll. We got to get this shot. Oh, yeah, we're filming. We got to get this shot. <laughs> I'm jumping right. out of the plane. Are you coming? Not on your life. Good luck. Okay. We'll see you down there. Whoa. By the way, that big giant gust of wind and the woe from a Tom Cruise is him now plummeting toward the earth. Uh, that is, that's amazing. I don't know how anybody competes with that. In all honesty, I don't know what other actor gets pitched something similar. And this is all about the clicks. It's all about the social media follows. Because uh, as I said, the message wasn't really delivered terribly clearly there. Uh, but I still wanted to play it. Uh, Tom Cruise jumping out of a plane. I was talking to my producer, Phil, during the break. How does he even still do that is a question I think we both had. Uh, the guy is is uh, very interesting in the world of celebrities and uh, movie stars and, and actors and whatnot. And uh, it does fit with the Tom Cruise uh, in this same idea, the same uh, version of thinking of this is all for the clicks. This is all for people trying to get attention on social media. I have two other stories. Uh, the first one is a woman out of the UK. Her name is Mackenzie Taylor. Uh, she did a thing that I guess is is common now on social media. You prank your kid with an elf on the shelf. Uh, you essentially put the elf on the shelf near your child while your child is asleep and then pretend as though the elf did something to the kid while the kid was asleep. Uh, one of the ones I saw that went viral is like you drew all over the kid's face. Like you made uh, little, uh, I guess, glasses and whatnot with a marker, a crayon, something. Uh, and the kid wakes up and you blame it on the elf and the kid gets mad. Uh, this woman apparently went too far, according to all the Internet and maybe even you, I imagine. Uh, while her kid was asleep, she cut holes in his shirt with a scissor and then put the elf relatively close to the child and a scissor uh, right around the elf and blamed the elf. And the kid was actually fairly afraid at that moment because, darn it, if an elf is going to wield a scissor and go after me in the night, that sounds like a very scary movie or at least an earnest scared stupid movie that I haven't seen yet. Uh, but it, it's intense. And as I said, a lot of people are saying that this is way too far, that this is uh, something the kid's not going to get over anytime soon. I, I don't know when it became a trend. For a whole lot of parents to prank their kids on social media. Uh, maybe it was uh, Jimmy Kimmel's fault in the Halloween thing. And I know that a lot of parents probably think some of it's funny. And I don't have a kid, so maybe I, I should think more of it is. And I do. There are moments, I should admit it, where some of the things, if they're harmless, seem kind of funny. Uh, but this does seem like a version of parenting where you care a whole lot more about your own social media success and a whole lot less about any potential permanent damage. Uh, done to a child. Uh, years of therapy probably coming in which the kid is going to bring up how 
Uh, Mom tricked him that one time into thinking an elf was alive and trying to scissor uh, him to death in his sleep. Uh, And then also, you know, uh, beyond that, it did get a bunch of social media clicks, though. So mom told me not to be that mad about it. I don't know. It's just a pretty intense, pretty crazy thing uh, that's out there. And again, maybe some people are being overly serious about it, uh, but some others are probably uh, voicing a a bit of concern. You can't go any further. Uh, That seems like the craziest thing you could probably do uh, involved in that world and not have it be something that ends with, say, uh, government individuals coming to your house. Uh, One last thing. I think this is interesting, and then we'll take a break. Uh, There's a story about this 15-year-old kid, and I don't know if this was, again, to get clicks on social media. Uh, Apparently, there's no answer as to why this happened. Uh, The 15-year-old was in Turkey. Uh, He was complaining of a bunch of stomach pain, went to the doctor. They did an X-ray, and not only did he have a full phone cord inside of his body, uh, like a full phone charging cord, and I guess it would work for both a, a um, headphone and a regular telephone. So it even had an adapter piece attached to it. But I guess they also found like a hair tie uh, in this kid. He's fine. He's going to be okay. I wouldn't talk about these stories if the people aren't going to be okay. Uh, but they asked the question, like, why did you eat this stuff? And I guess we have no answer. I don't know if the reporting is bad from the New York Post on this. I don't know what happened. And the Mirror, I think, covered this story, too. Uh, but the question asked several times, how did you get a phone cord and a hair tie inside of your stomach? And the kid is like, no, not telling you that answer. You got to check my Instagram next week and you'll find out everything there. I laugh only because I'm also terrified because uh, I do think that what likely happened here is not a kid that just felt like eating a thing to try it out at that age, uh, but a kid who probably was doing it as some sort of prank or thing or, or way to get clicks. And we are definitely in a world right now where a lot of parents have to tell their kids very, very often that it's better to not commit a crime than to get a bunch of likes on social media. That's a thing you'd want to do or endanger your health. It is better to be healthy and not necessarily the person with the most significant following on TikTok. But darn it, this is the world we live in. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts independent life this is chad benson this is the chad benson show my name is craig collins filling in thrilled to be with you lots of stuff to talk about as always at some point i'm probably going to get back to the andres cantor audio that's gone viral all over the place argentina did win the world cup beating france Uh, andres cantor is a very well known i think to more and more people all the time a broadcaster for spanish language coverage of soccer and the World Cup specifically. Uh, and he is also from Argentina. And he broke down like any good Homer call in the history of sports and was almost weeping at times uh, while saying out loud that Argentina had won the World Cup. As I said, I'll get to that in just a second. Some other quick stories first. Uh, Sam Bankman freed to reverse his decision on contesting extradition. Uh, this is probably the least surprising thing uh, that we learned over the weekend. I think this actually came out on Saturday. Uh, the former FTX chief executive, Uh, was going to be willing to leave the Bahamas in order to come back to, I think, New York to be tried in Manhattan uh, for a whole bunch of crimes. 
And then all of a sudden he realized, wait a minute, if I don't say yes to this, I can stay in the Bahamas and not go to New York and not go to jail. Uh, now, again, I think a lot of people would like to see him in prison uh, for a lot of the things that happened with FTX and how you just lose a whole bunch of money. You just put it in the wrong place and, and bet on the wrong thing. And then everybody that invested in you all of a sudden doesn't have any of their money. Uh, that's a bad thing. And a lot of the insider trading and whatnot, the scheme for uh, defrauding so many of the customers, all those things uh, possibly going to come up in any kind of trial. Uh, but darn it, I loved the fact that for a while, up until it actually had to happen in a courtroom, he was like, no, nah, I'll go back. That'll be fine. New York's nice and prison probably isn't that bad. And then all of a sudden was like, you know what? No, I'd rather stay on this beach and hide. Uh, it's obviously something that I think there will continue to be pieces to and a story that's ever changing. The, the one thing I'll say about Sam Bankman-Fried, and I want to move on because uh, you've probably heard enough about this story by now, is his confidence in the face of so many things that he's done that are heavily illegal, that are very wrong, and certainly stuff that he's going to get in trouble, even admitting. And I think at one point there was a story that he was like informing people of crimes he committed that no one was aware of, that people weren't going to try him for. He's just throwing more stuff out there onto the fire. Uh, that's a certain level of unaware of the world you live in. You, you first and foremost uh, defraud a bunch of people by losing a lot of their money. And then after all that, you kind of casually talk about all the things you did that were very illegal. Uh, the world of cryptocurrency is weird. I will say that too. Uh, one other thing I thought was uh, valuable out there before I get to the uh, audio of Andres Cantor celebrating an Argentina a World Cup win, uh, which I know a lot of people are not soccer fans in the United States, but there's something great about a homer call like this. Uh, the new boss at CNN, Chris Licht, uh, apparently has been standing very strong against a lot of people that are uh, getting vitriolic, a lot of people that are expressing a lot of anger uh, toward the brand new CNN. The thing that's so valuable about it, though, is it's a whole bunch of people on the left, a whole bunch of people who are upset and sad that one of those television stations that they came to trust for giving them opinion, uh, never really true down the middle conversation, but one-sided versions of stuff is trying harder to be the CNN of old, of a, of a long time ago, uh, that did try quite a bit more to be a reputable news organization. And apparently this is invigorating the new boss. The new CEO is saying that he, um, uh, here actually exactly to quote him, it proves my point. So much of what passes for news is name calling half truths and desperation. Uh, and the fact that so many on the left are coming after him has been stunning, uh, but makes him believe even more to paraphrase on the mission that he has in front of him. It'll be interesting because uh, CNN has been pretty far to a side for a very long time. And they didn't just clean house and fire everybody uh, that was a high profile name that was doing that kind of thing. So it'd be interesting to see how many of those people can actually stay and how much CNN really becomes something uh, that actually feels as though it's not still partisan. I still see uh, partisan coverage on it all the time. It just you can't teach an old dog new tricks sometimes. Uh, but we'll say I think it's very interesting, though, how angry the left can get at things that they don't like the the woke world that we live in today and then deny it at the same time and pretend as though the other guys, the guys on the other side of the bad people and we're the good guys, even though and I, there's viral videos of this and and social media stars who do this. You go and you try to say something unwoke in a crowd of young woke people and you're not going to be treated like a human being for a majority of the time you're standing there. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, this is viral all over the Internet as of yesterday. Argentina beat France in the World Cup in what was genuinely a very good soccer game. And I say that as a guy who's not often entertained by a lot of soccer games. Uh, they can be good at times, but they're usually not that good. 
Uh, a 3-3 tie that goes into a shootout after both teams score in overtime. It felt more like a baseball game with the amount of scoring. I know 3-3 isn't incredibly rare in soccer, but it's also not the norm. Uh, but let's play this. This is Andres Cantor, uh, who was born in Buenos Aires from Argentina, uh, who was broadcasting and covering the game. Actually, it's the way I saw it uh, because we have Peacock, and I don't think we could get coverage in English. I think I could just get it in Spanish, or no one told me how to change it, including my wife, who's from Mexico. So I heard this call live, uh, but he just he melts. And actually, the thing he's saying over and over again, if you're not aware, if you don't speak Spanish, is uh, they are the champions of the world, Argentina champions of the world. Here we go. Montiel! Montiel! By the way, that goal call by Andres Cantor is the shortest one of his career, I think, when he transitioned again to say to saying something else about Argentina winning this thing because they're usually much longer with a lot more uh, losing his breath and picking up again. He's literally weeping now. And actually, that goes on for another minute and a half. I won't play all of it for you. I know that Chad loves to play calls from Andres Cantor, so I figured I'd I'd play along too. And this one all over the internet yesterday. Uh, And it's actually one of the things I like most about sports broadcasting still. Uh, It's something I thought I would do in my career at some point. Uh, The Homer version of a call. I don't want the guy that's in the middle. I want my own team calling the game as if my team is the one that they want to win. I want this, essentially. I want someone who would weep. Maybe not weep. I mean, my favorite baseball team is the Yankees. That's my favorite sport. Uh, I got used to World Series when I was a kid as a millennial, so I'm not sure I would weep if they win one again, although it's been a while. Uh, But someone who's actually overcome with emotion. Uh, One of my favorite ever was a Cubs broadcaster, Ron Santo, who would do this all the time. Uh, But there are so many. And it's, all right, darn it, let's play a little more. You asked. I heard it. A little bit more of the emotion involved in watching your country win the World Cup. If that's the sport you love as much as Andres Cantor does. Uh, by the way, he's also saying that they came down from heaven. Uh, they came down from the sky in order to win this championship. <laughs> so he's essentially calling them angels. I, I love every part of that. Uh, one other quick thing, uh, another thing out there in the world, uh, Elon Musk, if you haven't heard, I've been talking about it a lot today, uh, put out a poll on his Twitter page asking if he should step down as the head of Twitter. I don't think he'd actually sell the company or give it up at this point. I think he's probably going to want to turn it into something he'd make a profit on uh, before he sold it. But he might step away as the active CEO on a day-to-day basis because the poll asked him to. He said he would abide by the results of it, and the poll said with 57% of the vote that he should. I actually think this is sneaky genius. Uh, A lot of people are saying that they think that Elon lost uh, this poll, but I actually think he won. Uh, If you look at some of the other companies that he's involved in, like Tesla, uh, their stock went up on Monday as news uh, went out that maybe he would get to refocus back Uh, to those companies he was making a crap ton of money with in the first place and still be in charge of a new direction for a social media platform that a lot of stories out there right now, a lot of news reporting is saying, was working very closely with the FBI, working very closely with politicians on a certain side of the political aisle, taking a whole lot of donations and money 
from Democrats and almost none from Republicans. Uh, a company, a social media platform that lied to us on a lot of occasions about not being biased, not censoring itself a certain way, not doing certain things, and definitely doing all that stuff. So Twitter might still be the Twitter of today, but Elon just might not be the guy sitting in the office making the, the decisions on a day-to-day basis. He might be a phone call away for some of that. So I think it's very interesting, and I almost think it's sneaky genius because I, I believe he actually uh, expected to lose this even though so many seem to think that he expected to win and stay in control of Twitter. Um, But we'll see. We'll see what all happens here uh, moving on. It's such a great thing to blame being so willing to listen to the mass uh, decision, the mass opinion that you step away from Twitter. It's almost as if you're winning back some of the liberals who hate you right now, uh, which I don't know if that's Elon's goal, uh, by uh, giving up and letting other people be in charge. We'll see. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Fear and white male privilege to me. I do often out myself verbally as a gender. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm proud to be a gender. Are you stupid? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Not a great way to use your white privilege. Some people get it, some people don't. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, I like this uh, video that went viral on social media. Apparently some worker at a Chipotle, I don't know where in this country, had to get up in front of all of the customers and say that they were out of some stuff. Uh, The amount of things they were out of, though, uh, that's why this went viral. It's most of the things. Uh, The store is out of guacamole, fajitas, veggies, pico de gallo, lettuce, burritos, chips. Uh, Essentially, they just have rice, beans, and chicken. Uh, That's all you can get there. Uh, Maybe some steak options, too, uh, but no burrito to put it in. No tortilla whatsoever. Uh, People said that that's a point when you should close the store. Uh, You probably shouldn't still be in operation. You know, I I, I don't know. I know that the the supply chain is still challenged. I know that stuff happens, and I don't feel great for the employees that have to roll out there and be like, we don't got anything. We're, We're out of everything. I did once go to a Dunkin' Donuts that was out of donuts, and I felt very confused. Uh, the whole time I was in that store. But I wouldn't close if I owned those places. I would just, like, come up with other things. You know, I would I would uh, let the one kid who's wanted to make their own recipe from home uh, that no one's let him make ever uh, just go at it, whatever it might be, whatever the food item of the day is, and then we just sell that and see how great it goes. I feel like that'll be fine. The health department won't care. Uh, but, no, I, I think this is a very interesting story, a pretty funny story, uh, because, yeah, if you walk into a Chipotle or any location – uh, looking for most of the items that they have and they don't have them. It's always a unique day. But darn it, that's a first world problem if ever I've heard one. Uh, this is another first world problem, actually. Uh, so somebody on uh, social media went viral uh, for saying that they drank one too many Panera charged lemonades. I actually have uh, this, the the monthly Panera subscription, and I drink the charged lemonades and I get the ridiculously sized cup. I do all the things that the person in this video is doing. Uh, but I guess they said that they accidentally, her name is Sarah, uh, Sarah Hebus, if you go look for her on social media, she accidentally consumed over 1,000 milligrams of uh, caffeine because, darn it, she wasn't paying attention to how many charged lemonade she was drinking. And so apparently now uh, Panera is deciding that it might have to move those items 
behind the counter. So someone can't have unrestricted access to them uh, with their monthly membership card like so many of us do. Essentially, people ruin a good thing, I guess, here. People are addicted to caffeine in a way that's uh, that's scary. Uh, but you should pay attention. It's just like someone who drinks six Red Bulls, uh, that that's not a good move. That's usually a problem that you're you're causing on yourself by making that decision. Um, and I don't know if it's at a bunch of stores or just some stores. I've been to the local Panera here recently, and darn it, they're they're going crazy. Uh, they're throwing caution to the wind. The charge lemonade is still out in the main area where I can fill it up as many times as I want. Uh, but I've never gotten more than one because I also read things. I pay attention to just how much caffeine is in stuff. Uh, but this might be a thing that eventually has to go away or at least be uh, hidden from most of us because uh, we're abusing it. All right. Now, I like this story. I don't know what about it. I know what about it intrigues me so much. Uh, so scientists in the U.K. have created this product uh, that I guess is made from human cells. Uh, that might be strong enough to stop supersonic objects, uh, things like a speeding bullet. Uh, the University of Kent is the one that developed this. They said it's in an, uh, a way to find more material that could be safe for military and police personnel. I can't get over the fact that it's it's made from humans, though. Uh, and I know that that's not exactly the way the scientists would say it. That's the way I'd say it. Uh, or that's the way I assume some guy in a dark alley would offer it to me. Here, wear this human shield. It'll stop a bullet. And I imagine that I wouldn't trust the guy in the alley all that much. And I don't know why they chose uh, that cell specifically to work on this. Uh, there's probably more data in the scientific study, but I I've tuned out at this point. I just want to ask questions and not get answers to them. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that apparently it's a shock-absorbing uh, thing that we all have already. Uh, that they can just enhance to the degree that they claim will stop a bullet. And again, they're much more trustworthy than the guy in the alley who's telling you it'll be fine. He just wants to practice first, and he wants to let you take the shot. Uh, the next one that I thought was interesting, a story out there, uh, a lot of places, I think Newsweek actually had this story uh, covered as well and even interviewed the woman. Uh, there's a woman out of Arkansas who quit her day job as a teacher. Uh, I think it might have been this year or last year because she launched a company called Hello Holidays that trims and decorates Christmas trees professionally. That's the only thing she does. And she said it's more lucrative uh, than the job she has as a teacher. That might say a lot about a lot of things uh, that I'm talking about at the same time here. $300 to $1,500 per tree is the amount that she charges. She swings by, she spruces it up, she makes it great. Uh, she doesn't just trim it, but she'll do all the decorations for you. Here's the problem I have beyond the fact that this is a job and a human is making more money at this than teaching uh, children stuff. Uh, it's also the do's and don'ts list that she provides. I would not hire this person based on the things she says to do and not to do in the world of your Christmas tree uh, with just a few days before Christmas. First, she says, buy a colorful tree. Be daring. Don't go with the typical green. I'm 0 for 1. No, that is wrong. I want my tree to look normal. Uh, do put a small tree in a box or container and make it look taller by covering it with fabric. That's fine. I don't, I don't care about that one that much. Uh, do stick to a color theme. So if you have pink decorations, you need a pink tree. Uh, no, that's a terrible idea. Uh, don't forget to fluff the tree and fill in any holes using artificial glitter and other berries and sprigs and things. That also sounds terrible. I'm not going to bedazzle my Christmas tree, young lady. Uh, don't use tinsel because it's messy. Uh, don't do the tree with a star on the top because that's dated. You need to be cooler than that. Maybe get a bow tie is what she says here. I would I would hate this person's decision-making on my Christmas tree if you hire them for $1,000. I wonder if you can get a refund. 
You drop the 1500 bucks. she hauls in the pink Christmas tree, and you just push her right back out the door. Uh, but she's making a bunch of money, and a lot of young people who are both, I guess, very lazy and very interested in going rogue this holiday season and getting a criticism or six from grandma are, are picking up a, a pink tree with pink decorations. Something else. All right, a quick break, a lot more. Greg Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff, as always, to talk about, as I say. I want to go here first, though. Uh, Our president, President Biden, uh, has said that he can't make it to the border. He's actually had other people say it for him, including Keisha Lance Bottoms. I can play that in a bit if I want to. Uh, He's got more important stuff to do. It's it's not easy uh, to get someone out to a place that's been a uniquely bad part of this administration from jump and is about to get way worse on a Wednesday when uh, we see things change and a whole lot more people. The projection is to go from 2,500 to 18,000 people a day uh, crossing into the country illegally. Instead, he's sitting down with Drew Barrymore, and he's describing his wife as someone who has a backbone like a ramrod. I know this is a somewhat common phrase. I know you might have heard a version of it before. It's just very odd to hear the president say this about the first lady in general. I'm not sure that it's a compliment I'd want per se, but here we go. Can tell her anything. She's got a backbone like a ramrod. <laughs> oh, she does. Drew Barrymore is gone, by the way. That's the funniest thing she's ever heard. Uh, the uh, the first lady does not seem quite as amused by every part of that. And by the way, that's a compliment Biden uses a lot. He's said it before of other people. I think uh, military military personnel and whatnot. Uh, he says, and mostly often women. Uh, that they have backbones like ramrods. Uh, But that's out there. Uh, That's in the world. And that's more important than going and seeing what's going on at the border and how people are sleeping outside. And uh, actually, some people are dying on the streets of El Paso and other parts of Texas uh, because, well, they have nowhere to go and and no shelter or food. Um, That's the problem that's being created, not just uh, that we need to secure our borders because, well, it's the right thing to do to have a process of legal immigration and not to turn our noses or our faces away from illegal immigration and just allow that to exist, uh, but that we're actually hurting the people who are coming into this country, uh, even though Biden and Democrats would say that this is the the nicer thing, the more compassionate thing, or they just fully ignore and pretend this story doesn't exist at all. Uh, moving on, I thought this was interesting. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp have officially settled their defamation lawsuits. Uh, you probably thought that already happened, but well, no, they both appealed Uh, But now it's entirely over. I guess Amber Heard is going to give Johnny Depp $1 million, which is way less uh, than what the court said that uh, Amber should pay Johnny. And I guess she's going to get it all paid through like some insurance thing anyway. So she's probably not giving a dime of her money uh, to Johnny Depp. And it's all officially over. Uh, Amber Heard also said that her her livelihood, her career, her public um, persona, whatever you might want to call it, has just been destroyed uh, by all of the people that were going after her on social media as that case took a lot of really weird turns. And only because I'm talking about it one last time do I want to play that 
very famous testimony that Johnny Depp gave where he talked about the thing that happened on his bed while he wasn't there. I, I didn't think I'd have another opportunity to ever play this in the world of radio, but they settled today. And so the fight over whether or not this was uh, a dog or, or a human that left a, a thing behind for Johnny on his bed, I guess it doesn't matter to most anymore. She's not going to be home for two days. And then he showed me a photograph on his telephone <laughs> of... Uh, uh-huh. Uh, by the way, they object to it. They try to prevent him from saying it. I don't know, but he continues a few minutes later. It was a, it was a, it was a photograph of the bed, our bed, uh-huh. um, and on my side of the bed. Um, <laughs> it's very belabored. Was human fecal matter? Yeah. Happened. Um, so I understood why it wasn't a good time to go down there. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to go down there either, Johnny. Anyway, that's all over now. Uh, no more additional uh, versions of uh, lawsuits or court cases that go viral. That was crazy uh, watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial as much as so many people did it. I had like friends that would text me their novice legal opinions of what was going on. Uh, but now, again, as I said, it's it's been settled. Uh, Johnny Depp took way less money than the courts awarded him uh, to make it go away. And Amber Heard apparently has given up on it, too. And yes, her, her um, help your teen public have version of herself took a lot of Instagram shots tools, based on a lot of things that happened. But darn it, I just wanted to play the talk again where Johnny Depp gives a fairly valuable performance uh, talking about how he found... Uh, some stuff left for him on uh, via those photos. What's All right, anyway, let's move on. I saw this story. I didn't know what to think of this. Uh, a woman in Ireland ordered shoes online uh, from a company, uh, I guess it's very popular in the UK, uh, New Balance sneakers, not really terribly fancy shoes. Uh, and when she got the receipt, and this is probably why you need to shop local and not shop online, it said that they were having a little bit of difficulty with delivering stuff. So it would be there in 803 business days, which is the equivalent of more than two years, uh, 24 months to get you your shoes. She immediately canceled the order, took a photo of it. It went viral. People laughed about it. I got to be honest, and I know that I'm probably in the vast minority on this. I would have left that order in place. If they're going to deliver me shoes 800 days from now, I would like to see that happen. I would like to see if they actually remember it, if they somehow get over some of the shipping challenges and maybe deliver it sooner. Uh, maybe they even look for a tip from me, but I don't know why I would have wanted to hold on to this and probably been alone in doing it and even just been entertained by it uh, more so than anyone else was. Uh, and I imagine that it might have just been like a computer error, too. Uh, maybe the shoes could get there in more than 803 working days. Uh, but it's just one of those things where the computer fills in the blank in the form email and it just swung and missed uh, a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, uh, she decided, as I said, to immediately cancel it and go ahead and reorder the shoes. I'm not sure if from the same company or a different one, and I'm not sure if they're going to be there way sooner. But again, I would have held out. I would have thought that it was the best thing ever, and I really would have wanted to see if I got them exactly to the day. I think that would have even been a viral story. You want the clicks. You want the social media follows. Uh, it's like when someone returns a library book that they've had for 45 years and pay the $6 in fees, although with inflation, maybe it's much worse now. I'm not sure. Uh, that's, a, that's a moment of commitment if you stick to that order. All right, I want to play this, uh, shifting back to something, I guess, more important. I'm talking about this a little more as it's coming up a lot today. Uh, Adam Schiff is uh, on television. I think this is MSNBC uh, and Morning Joe. So the easiest interview he can possibly do, uh, talking about the January 6th hearings, uh, talking about 
just how close we were to losing our democracy is what he's saying. Uh, the exaggeration of this, because look, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but I guess it's a bigger story today. Uh, the committee will give their final findings on Wednesday, the same day. Uh, the Title 42 will go away, and we're likely to see a, a huge influx of people uh, crossing the border illegally. Odd timing there to do, do those two things on the same day. But as that's going to occur, uh, as the information about the January 6th committee is coming out, uh, they've been saying that they'd like to see criminal charges uh, with the former president. And I think that obsession with Trump is probably something that's going to not benefit Democrats, especially if Trump doesn't wind up being the Republican nominee, which a lot of people have doubted. But here's part of what he said out of Morning Joe and MSNBC. It is ridiculous again, I think. Uh, when most Americans, actually a new poll came out, most Americans think that we should be investigating things like the Hunter Biden laptop story, uh, things that I know Republicans are very interested once they get in power in the House in actually doing. A majority of Americans said that, by the way. It's something like 80% of Republicans and 50-something percent of Democrats. But here's what Adam Schiff thinks is important right now, what needs to be discussed still, and what he'd like to see happen in the world of charges on the former president. Again, someone who might not be the political player Democrats have expected him to be. I don't know. I'm not saying I know that for sure. I'm just saying there's a lot of talk of it. So maybe all of this is really just wasted time. An unprecedented way. But the second responsibility is to bring about reforms needed to address the deficiencies that made us so vulnerable on the 6th. And we will be making recommendations for those legislative reforms, but the vast majority of them will not be law by the end of this session. Uh, and so, you know, to contemplate going into a new session where, you know, people who voted to overturn the election will be uh, essentially running the House of Representatives, uh, you can imagine how difficult it will be to take these additional steps that we need to protect the country. Uh, so I'm deeply concerned about it. You know, we, I think in these hearings showed just how close we came to losing our democracy, but we're not out of the woods. And <laughs> we're not out of the woods. We're still real close uh, to losing our democracy. That's still what matters most. Uh, they accuse Democrats, re uh, Republicans all the time of saying things that are hyperbolic and things that'll uh, create this division in our society. Uh, saying that about what was uh, mostly not that at all. Even people who did get access. Not that I'm saying I'm proud of January 6th. I want to be clear. I'm not proud of that day and the people and the decisions that people made that day. But I don't think it's a reflection of everyone that, say, voted Republican or every politician. And you've heard this argument time and again, so I won't make it any more beyond that. Uh, but I will say that I think it's so interesting that there's that hyper focus on what essentially some of the videos and things we saw was a lot of people being given access to certain areas and taking photos and chairs and then leaving. Uh, it actually reminded me a lot. And you've heard this a lot of times, too as a quote-unquote defense of what happened on January 6th, weird to say it that way, it was similar to when people win championships in sporting events and then cities get destroyed for an evening. Uh, some of the uh, violence, some of the things that happened, and then some of the ways in which it eventually just sort of stopped or ended, uh, very similar to that and not similar at all to what they're saying about coming just inches away from losing our democracy as a whole. And I think that's why so many Americans haven't cared at all about this process and why, even though Democrats are counting on it being a tremendously big news story on Wednesday, and it probably will be in certain places uh, because of, well, the way they cover news. Uh, but I imagine that eventually this might all be back burner uh, conversation. Uh, and I know, uh, as I say that, if you're someone that cares a lot about this, you might think it's crazy. But I ask you just one favor, and then I'll take a break. Uh, dive back into everything shared by the January 6th committee. Uh, understand that it's not a bipartisan group. It's absolutely a to-the-left organization. 
and really reflect on how many of those things that they put out there in the world said the thing that they claim it said and not how many of those directed by a Hollywood movie uh, individual director and producer. Uh, some of those documentary filmmaking things came into effect in the way they put this information out there. I uh, didn't actually try to uh, complete a narrative that the commission itself wanted told from jump, regardless of whether or not it's what actually occurred that day. Quick break, a lot more. Uh, this is Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson show. Me too. Hashtag immigration reform. Hashtag help. I'm trapped in a hashtag factory and I can't get out. The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad will be back after the holidays. Much deserved vacation for one of the most talented and hardest working guys I know in this industry. Uh, a couple quick stories for me and then I got to get out of here. Uh, the first one I like a lot. Uh, apparently there's a world's cutest dog uh, recently identified on social media. Uh, the reason why this dog is so cute, uh, as I'm told, and as I will describe to you in the uh, photo that's viral and all over the place on social media, it's a, a little miniature poodle uh, that I guess is almost perfectly round, uh, meaning that it's, it's um, you know, uh, a certain uh, type of dog uh, with a certain uh, size uh, that probably uh, makes it uh, the most unique uh, version of a dog. Uh, it's got a bit of a weight problem. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, although I don't know if anyone cares, uh, but people are calling it the world's cutest dog Mohu is the name of this dog. I'm not sure exactly how old it is, too, uh, but it does look as though it's essentially um, a perfect circle uh, with the amount of hair and fur, I think, also involved, uh, too. I don't know. I like this story. It's all over the place. Figured I'd share with you. Uh, maybe we'll put up some of those photos in some social media places. Uh, this time of year is also a time of year where people put up their best lists, uh, best whatever. I, I think someone sitting in some... Uh, newsroom, if that's even what you call it, or social media place, or or I guess like TMZ kind of place, uh, BuzzFeed, uh, just throws out best of anything, and they put out a list. I found a couple I like, though. The best chocolate chips you can buy uh, in stores, according to experts. 62% uh, of Americans actually also weighed in on this. And then the best places to propose. Uh, this is according to science, and those are terrible answers. So first, the cookies. Uh, the absolute best cookie is a Tate's chocolate chip cookie. Uh, this is something that I guess is more common on the East Coast. So if you're not near uh, Southampton, New York, good luck to you. But it won number one, so congratulations to them. I assume they'll be accepting an award and giving a speech sometime soon. Trader Joe's came in at number two uh, for cookies that are out there and easy to purchase. Uh, the Crunchy Chocolate Chip Cookie. Uh, Ann's Organic Chocolate Chip Cookie Bites came in at number three. Prepridge Farm came in at number four, and Prepridge Farm remembers, so this will be very sad. Uh, their crispy chocolate chip cookie and their farmhouse thin cookie, uh, both of them tied. And then Famous Amos, uh, which is a cookie I remember a lot as a kid, uh, that came in at number five on the list. So those are the best ones. Uh, this has been decided. No one argue about it. No one send us any opposing opinions. Uh, we're done. On that. No, I'm kidding. I don't care. Uh, I don't even know if I agree with that list. Uh, the second one, the best places to propose, I like this one quite a bit more. Um, because it's all the super generic places that I've been told time and again. I'm happily married, um, but I've been told time and again that if I picked any of these places, uh, not only would my wife have hated it, but a lot of women would feel like, all right, come on. Uh, you invited me to a trip to France. We're going to go see Paris, and we've been in a relationship for a few years. You're probably proposing. Uh, but they said in Central Park, in New York, as I said, in Paris, 
uh, in Venice. Italy uh, made the list of top five, according to science. And then actually one other one that's interesting that's on the list at number two is Hamilton Island in Australia, uh, just because it's absolutely perfect. I don't know. Uh, every time I see one of these lists, and I guess Cornell University put this one together, I think that my proposal was way better, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story about it, because, well, people are going to judge me if I do, uh, but my story was essentially a version of, so you mean you want to? And uh, the wife was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. All right, there's a little bit more than that, uh, but I, I think for some reason that's more romantic uh, than this big giant uh, show of affection thing at the stereotypical place where seven people just proposed in front of you. It's almost like it'd be a tourist thing and you'd like tip somebody on the way out. I don't know. Uh, but I think I'm just saying all that because I want to feel better about my move. All right, here we go. A couple other quick things that I like. Uh, should you wait a bit after getting a Christmas bonus to quit your job? Uh, this was written into one of those self-help columns. Uh, someone asked because they were expecting that year-end bonus. If it was appropriate to quit after you get handed the check, I don't, I don't have the rules on this stuff, people. Uh, if you're out, if you want to be out, but if the bonus is significant enough that you want to stand to be handed it, uh, then maybe uh, if you're giving the two weeks notice, although I don't know, uh, by the way this is written, it sounds like the person will be leaving that day and not turning around and coming back. Um, but a lot of people who uh, responded to this, a lot of people in the comment section, seem to think it's fine, uh, that this is the sort of thing you're entitled to. You did the work. It's your bonus. Take the bonus and then let the company know you're out. Uh, the person who actually writes the column said that, hey, it might not be the worst thing because you might kind of be burning a bridge there uh, to go ahead and give it a little bit of time uh, unless you just have to start the job soon. I don't think people care anymore about burning bridges. Uh, that feels like the kind of thing that more and more, especially young people, when they go to the social media platform of choice and just brag about how they quit or why they quit, uh, seem to think that that's not going to impact their future job opportunities. And then one last story. It's a bit adult in nature. Uh, that's why I wait till the very end of the show to do it. Uh, Vermont University recently hosted an event. They used student funds to do it, of course, tuition payments and whatnot. Uh, it was called Sex Toy Bingo. They held an event that students went to. Uh, they promoted it as a safe and fun place to talk and play, quote, one more time, Sex Toy Bingo. I've got to tell you that that's probably not the kind of thing that, well, I don't know, college, maybe a lot of students would go, but there's a lot of students who probably wouldn't want uh, to play bingo and have a conversation with who's ever running that event uh, with this organization. A lot of people are uh, very upset. A lot of parents, I'm sure, are very upset. Uh, and actually, the fee for the event itself might have been pretty ridiculous because, well, I guess, one, you got to get the nice stuff, and two, it's college. Everything is ridiculously more expensive. If you ever bought a textbook in college and then returned it for uh, $2, I assume you can't do all that after the event Sex Toy Bingo, nor would you want to. All right, that's it. We're done. It's over. I'm out. I'm not going to say anything else. Greg Collins filling in. Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show.